This is the code that I've written for our year-to-year -year projections. This is building in all the intelligence that we have to project players. Okay. It's about getting things down to one number. Using stats the way we read them, we'll find value in players that nobody else can see. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode six of the Data Delivery Podcast. I have on with me Ian McMahon. Ian, how we doing? Doing good, Joe. Uh, glad to be on. Been out of the podcast game for a couple months now with my own, but it's good to be back on the scene. Right back in it. Uh, so first, just kind of tell everyone a little bit about yourself and kind of a little bit about your baseball journey. Uh, so like you said, I'm Ian McMahon. Uh, I'm a current left-handed pitcher. Uh, rehabbing from Tommy John, started out my career playing juco ball. Uh, went played at John A. Logan College in uh, Illinois, pretty top twenty-five school year in and a year out, and then from there transferred to Missouri State in twenty twenty-one, where uh, I think it was my sixth appearance. It was like our first eight games. My sixth appearance tore my UCL and took the rest of the year, started rehab, and then decided it would be best for me since I still had eligibility left to transfer back to John A. Logan, a little closer to the St. Louis metro area, be able to get in with my throwing guys. And then now we're here, just almost, I think, the 26th of this month. So two more days will be a year post-op. So okay. just going through that. Yeah, I saw uh, on your Twitter picture, and you kind of not advertised that you had Tommy John, but you make it like kind of known. Uh, what was the hardest part about when you found out you needed surgery and kind of the whole rehab process? Definitely the hardest part. So when I first came to Logan, I thought I had torn it the summer going in and got MRI, got other consultation from people, and they're like, everybody's like, "You're, it's fine, negative test, UCL is good. Well, this last March, uh, in game, I'm throwing at Arkansas State, UCL rips off the bone. I feel it like completely like everything again. I'm like, okay, it's got to be done for sure this time. So I go get my MRI and my surgeon's like, hey, you've got imaging before. I want to see what was going on, see if there's anything chronic changing. Well, he looks at it and he's like, Ian, he was at, he was, it's been torn for a year and a half. Jesus. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and the craziest part about that is, so we had done a shutdown the first time I thought I tore it. And then they said I was good. So I started on ramping back. And that was during the COVID 2020 season. So I only threw like four or five innings, just like on pitch counts. I wasn't throwing hard. I was like 84, 85, like nothing special. So COVID happens and I'm like, okay, facilities are shut down. And then myself, I'm really big into programming. Like I've got r remote clients of my own. I was like, all right, I'm just going to design my own programming. So in, I think it was 79 days. I went from 84, 86 to 90, 92 with a torn UCL. And it was just like, what, what do we got? And just like looking back and knowing that, it just blows my mind. Yeah, I mean, I feel like um, like a lot of the PTs I listen to and just kind of like the tests they do, it's like some of the tests will fail and some of them they'll pass by and they kind of just let guys rock and just yeah. say like it's not enough for us to do surgery when like these higher profile guys, they kind of make them get it right away just in case. But like kind of everyone else, they just kind of throw them back out there because they don't want to do surgery for some reason. Yeah, and then like looking at, it's like my surgery notes from this last March were 64 pages long. He said, he cut my elbow open and he goes, oh boy, like it was off the bone. It was torn in multiple spots. He's like, it was messed up. I was like, 
Jesus. So did you did you ever think like uh after that first time, like you said, you were just kind of throwing like these guys are wrong, like something's wrong. Yeah, the thing, like it was weird. So like every each time I would throw, like I wouldn't necessarily have pain, but there would be days where I wouldn't be able to get certain ranges of motion. Like say like I'd throw like on a like a Friday night and I could be like mid to upper eighties and then the next day I could be touching nine like zeros, ones and twos. I'm like, what? Like or even lower than that. I could it was right. just it was interesting and you can like we can look at like edutronic film and there'd be like you could see a difference of like one day like i wouldn't be able to have certain ranges of motion and then the next day it'd be completely fine so it was like i did a deep dive on your twitter and kind of how in depth do you go with the training um would that do you think tommy john is kind of what made you get into the weeds of training and kind of take on remote clients or was this before any of this even uh, happened no i i mean i had remote clients before it definitely made me appreciate it more on the rehab side and like really deep diving into different studies of injury prevention going forward but i i would say since i was probably about 15 16 i started getting like obsessed with just like pitching development as a whole and just like wanting to know more to for me like as a coach in the future or and to use on myself right so i mean you use a pulse too i've seen in your videos like how do you use that data in your throwing? So I've actually only had the pulse for a little under two weeks. And I had made a, I had quote tweeted uh, Armored Heat. They were doing the thing for like Juco guys. They were going to do like a $150 giveaway. And I quote tweeted said like, oh, I could use a pulse. Well, one of my followers uh, DMs me like an hour later. He's like, hey, I've got one that was gifted to me. He's like, I have an Android, so I can't really use it. He's like, it's yours if you want it. And I'm just thinking, I'm like, no way. I was like, the baseball community is awesome. Yeah, uh, some crazy stuff on Twitter. And like a week, like a little less than a week later, I get it, start using it. And I don't know, if, I'm, I don't know if you saw. I did a, uh, I did a thread on Pulse, and then a few days before that, I did, I had another post like where I was just testing stuff out. And like the other day, I was testing how different arm slots were equivalenting to arm speed and elbow torque just kind of seeing the differences there and like finding that like that most efficient the angle or however whatever it's gonna like if this slot say i'm at 32 degrees is allowing me to get higher arm speed with less torque maybe we should look into that and try to perfect that as much as we can yeah so i mean going into that like the weeds of it you have data matters in your bio and obviously we're huge data guys yeah. um what data do you like and what do you think matters versus what do you think people kind of look too much into or hold too much stock into? Well, I first thing, like I'm really big into pitch design. I really like the, like, I like what TrackMan has to offer the other things that we use just to measure ball flight. But like as a whole, like I, I really like looking at motion capture, just looking at the charts there and seeing like how efficiently can we make the body move and at the end of the day, all that data is, it's created by how we move. So what we see in motion capture inevitably comes out to what we're getting when we're looking at TrackMan data. And I don't know, I love, I love looking at that kind of stuff. It, it really, it's really interesting to me. And I, I think a big thing in the baseball world is everybody just looks at the, the big numbers that we see on MLB Network. Everybody just looks at like launch angle or spin rate 
but like it's so much more than that people just look at the the small outliers yeah so like your coaching style with your remote guys how how hands-on are you trying to make changes versus like kind of taking what guys show you and kind of tweaking it to kind of what works for them yeah and i think that's i think that's the biggest thing is i don't try to make any of my guys look the same because nobody moves the same everybody's different you can look at guy you could look at little leaguers to big leaguers nobody moves the same uh, i think i try to take what they've got the the base that they've got and then make it more efficient in some ways like and of course like in pitching like there's certain checkpoints that we've all need to hit throughout the delivery but i think it's it's important for people to understand there's other ways there's not just one way to get to a certain point and some guys like I, I like to use this example a lot. Like a lot of people hate on quad dominant guys, but there's quad dominant guys that throw really hard uh, and vice versa for glute guys. So I don't, like I said, there's not just one way to get it done. And I think that's important to understand. Yeah. How, how much do you think like looking at all this data and kind of understanding everything that goes into it has helped you coach guys who don't have access to this data? Cause I mean, it's tough for these high school kids to, buy a track man, buy a rap just to have for themselves. And some of their orgs don't even have this. So it's like, you're kind of all coaching by eye. So how much do you think like your understanding has helped kind of dumb it down? I think my understanding helps quite a bit. And then, I mean, even for guys that don't have higher resources, there, there are other ways we can try to get information to interpret it. Like, I mean, everybody's got a cell phone. Everybody's got slow-mo video on there. And there's little bits and pieces that you can you can see from that or even like with uh pitch ai mobile now like just having those like little types of resources and i use some of the i use the pitch ai with some of my younger kids so they can see it but i don't i think that the things that i see over and over and over again with verifiable data helps me kind of see it more with the eye more frequently and i'm not going to be 100 spot on every time but i can get pretty close yeah do you think like because i know you follow like driveline tread all these guys that we followed to like when you have this much information coming from all these sources that it's like almost sometimes they contradict each other where like one big organization will say they value one thing and the other one says the opposite like how do you kind of sort through that and kind of filter what works I think you got to look at it from from both sides and even like when you said they're contradicting each other i don't i wouldn't say i wouldn't say either one is wrong i think i think i would say the two people are looking at it from different perspectives getting to the same point right yeah and i mean i feel like as long as people can bring up reasons of like why their side is right and kind of back it up like nobody's ever wrong until you can't prove that you're right right and then do you think getting Tommy John as much as it sucked has helped you grow as a player and kind of get deeper into development you might have never gotten into before? 100%. And I, I tell people this all the time, and I just get crazy looks. I would say, like, two of the best things that have ever happened to me were COVID-19 shutdown and getting Tommy John. Because, like, going that shutdown, one, baseball's ripped from me for the first time. You got to figure out how you're going to deal with it and how you're going to keep your career developing. And then with Tommy John, 
for me, I never had any physical uh, physical issues throughout the rehab process, which I'm super lucky. I've got a group chat with 50 guys in it that are all 50 different stories. And I got lucky on the physical side. Now, mentally, there are some obstacles with Tommy John. Uh, biggest thing for me is whenever I was going from 90 to 120 feet, I couldn't find a release point for the longest time. And I was like, like there was a couple, I spiked one like five foot in front of me. I'd throw it like 30 foot over the dude's head, left or right. And for me, like, like I've never struggled with command before, like never struggled throwing the ball where I want to. So getting to that point, not having any idea where the ball was going, drove me insane for like two or three weeks. And then finally it just clicks and you're out of it. So did you do anything specific to kind of get back to that point or you just keep throwing and see what happens? Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, there were a couple of times I had to like stop throwing with a person and like, I would just go like in a cage or like set up different targets and do that on my own. Just so I could, like, if I was going to mess up, I'd, I didn't want to, I didn't want anybody else to be me like shit talk back to somebody else. I'm like, okay, that's not their fault. I'm dealing yeah. with this. I got to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that mental block is huge. Cause you see all these guys rehabbing from Tommy John and like their first couple throws back, like look terrible, but it's not, it's not because they can't throw. It's like, they're scared that like everything's been repaired. They're ready to go. They're cleared to throw. And it's like, they're scared that something's going to happen. And See, and that was that was a big thing for me. Uh, I I said at the very beginning is like if I get to the point where I'm about to throw and I'm scared, I didn't rehab correctly. I I wasn't like fully invested in my rehab. Like there's something wrong. So like the first day that I threw was, I was in my head. I was like, all right, I'm prepared to do this. I'm ready to go. And like obviously I wasn't ripping it, but like I was making sure I was getting a deep scalp load, just letting the arm lay back, do what it needed to do. And just go. And I, I think that was. A, I think that's a really big thing in rehab. Is if you're scared to do it, there something along the lines is mentally inhabiting you, thinking you're not ready. Did you ever have a point in your rehab or when you were coming back where you're like, this just isn't right? Because I mean, I feel like I've never had Tommy John, but I feel like coming back, it's like, damn, I've been doing this my whole life, and now I got to learn how to do it again. Like, uh, there's way older. Not at the beginning, but there is definitely sometimes middle and i mean shoot i'm i would still say i'm still technically going through rehab even though i'm throwing live in game i i wouldn't say i've completely finished it out yet like for me like a, a big thing for me is like right now it's velo i threw harder on the mound at 10 and a half months than i am right now at a year which right. mentally drives me insane yeah <laughs> like it was new year's eve i like didn't throw fastball under 90 it was up to 93 but it's I have, but since December thirty first, I haven't thrown nine. I haven't thrown over eighty eight, and like, and mentally, it's like, okay, that drives me insane. Now, uh, at the same time, I know there some outlying factors. Like, I've got some pec minor tightness issues, which is limiting my right. separation of foot strike, and that's, I mean, that's been a pain just trying to work that out. And like, I'll get there'll be some days where I'm like, okay, it's finally worked out. I get great separation, and then the next day it's like, bam, we're tight again. So it's just like just dealing with the the other mobility things, and that's a huge thing that I feel like gets overlooked a lot. And so, people that I think are doing a great job in the industry right now are, like I said, Armor Heat earlier. That program, the things that they're doing for the game and rehab in general is it's incredible. Yeah, and I feel like once you've been up to ninety three at one point, 
like post-surgery like you know you got it in the tank yeah it's like how do i get back there now mm -hmm. yeah it's it's definitely that's i would say for me tj rehab has definitely been more mental than anything i got you um so now a little bit more informal stuff um do you have any hot takes in the baseball world or kind of just hot takes in general that people always will argue with you about? I think, I mean, obviously in the, the last year of Major League Baseball checking on it, every, like everybody wants to talk about foreign substance or like, like you said, you saw my, <laughs> my uh, Twitter profile picture. I'd make a yeah. joke. Not foreign substance. Yeah. I got a picture holding the spider tag, not foreign substance. And I just I just keep it light. And for me personally, with foreign substance, I only I maybe go up like one or two hundred RPMs. Mm -hmm. And there's like a lot. I know a lot of people love, like love the sticky stuff for like for changeups. I can't throw a changeup to save my life with sticky stuff in my hands. So like for me, like I don't really get like that big of a of like a boost in my pitch repertoire. But I think. I don't know. I think hit. I think the way that hitters look at it is, eyewash. They're just they're like, oh, just we can't hit. No, it must be because they're using. Just complaining about something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so sticking with like MLB stuff, are you pro shift or anti shift? I mean, if if you've got the available resources, and it's like we're tracking all this data, we're, we're charting everything. Well, I mean. Why should it be illegal to, to be able to use that stuff as an advantage? I mean, my biggest thing is if you're a hitter, you're complaining about it, and you're in the show and you can't drop down a bunt. Like, yeah, what are you? What are we complaining for? It's a free. It's a free ninety right there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, my thing is like, I don't know. Baseball is the only sport now that you can tell me how to play defense. Yeah, and like. You can't do that in any other sport just because a couple guys can't hit it the other way or lay one down. Like, that's my whole thing. And like, I think it's hilarious watching games with my dad is he's like, he's so like <laughs> in his mind, he's like players in the eighties and nineties. They're, they're just, he just thinks they're like so much better. Cause just the, they're in quotes, the way they played the game. <laughs> <laughs> just no real reason behind it. Yeah. And he was like, he'll see teams shift. And, like, we grew up Cubs fans, and he'll go absolutely berserk. Like, he used to go insane. Like, when Anthony Rizzo was there, he's like, he was all he's got to do is sacrifice Bond. He was, didn't have to be a drag. <laughs> and, it just, and, like, I mean, I agree with it. I, I mean, a hit's a hit. It may not be as sexy to the fans, but. That shows up the same. Yeah. So you're in the St. Louis area, but you're a Cubs fan? I live like an hour and a half from St. Louis, but yeah, That's I'm, I'm, on, I'm on the Illinois side. That's tough. Um, so you get to pitch against one MLB hitter. You get three at bats. Who are you facing? Mike Trout. Think you can get him out? I don't see why not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I like the confidence. Um, you get dinner with three players. One of them's deceased. One's retired and one's active. Who are you picking? Dinner with three players. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go active player. I'm gonna go Lance Lynn. Okay. Why is that? I don't. If 
anybody that's ever met Lance, he's just got this like quirky personality. And he says, I mean, he says what's on his mind. If you've ever seen a Lance Lynn interview, it's exactly how he is off camera as well. He's just a really fun person to be around. He actually lives about 20 minutes from where I do now. He's uh he's married the the girl that he married is from my hometown and her dad is my dad's best friend. So I get to see oh, him damn. a little bit. That's pretty sick. Um you said deceased player and then and then retired. Okay. Uh deceased. Ooh. It's a lot of good players. Uh I I'll go with this one. I'm gonna go Roger Maris. I grew right. up like obsessed with the movie 61 I'd, I'd watch it all the time so just to like kind of sit there and dinner and just kind of like pick his brain on what it was like being in new york and your fans not wanting you to to break a record because it was the great babe ruth yeah There's, that's another hot take i've got on babe ruth <laughs> i uh, i remember i told someone that i heard that babe ruth like doesn't exist and people just like they kind of just made him up that like he was never all the stories they say about him just kind of don't exist and they just wanted like a mlb hero to kind of play off of i don't know i don't believe it but i've heard that before and then retired player Ooh. i'm gonna go I'm gonna go Ken Griffey Jr. Everything, everything I've seen on him, just how he is on the like how he was on the field, how he is off, just like that, kind of like cocky personality. I just, I'd like to pick his brain, just kind of hear some of, some of his stories. Yeah, I like that. Um, next one, something in college baseball that needs to make its way into pro ball, and something in pro ball that needs to make its way into college ball well that is that's a really good question something in college baseball that needs to go to pro ball and it doesn't have to be like rules or anything it could be literally anything so like beer showers at Ole Miss any really anything yeah I like that one <laughs> I mean could you imagine being like Fenway Park over the monster you just have people just ripping shout. beers. That would be awesome. Ah, man, I, I've never been, I've never thought about that question in like that sense of like a fan's perspective. Yeah, I mean, mine is like like the bat flips and the theatrics. Like, I kind of like that mm. as long as it's not like disrespectful, but like the highlight of Tim Anderson, like throwing the bat at the dugout. Like we saw that highlight for months and that's like the most advertised thing in baseball. And we can't advertise like big stars, but when something, something like that happens, it's like a huge deal to talk about. And I feel like we just need more of like respectful banter. Like, I don't know, flip the bats, like stare down the dugout. As long as you're not saying anything crazy. Like, yeah. Okay. Here's one for you. I think from, Pro ball to college baseball, especially. I mean, it, the only way it would like it would happen would be probably like D one, Power Five, or definitely College World Series time is miking up the players. 
Okay. Just that that source of content during the game. Like I think it could be good. And then like they do it a little bit during the College World Series, like with guys like off the field. But like imagine like the beginning of the year, like everybody's going crazy about Tommy White. Like Yeah. Let it let him let him talk for a second. Yeah, now with like these guys making money off their names, like there should be minimal issue letting these kids talk. Yeah. I know me personally, I'd even if I were to ever make it to this, there's no way I could be mic'd up on the mound. There's just <laughs> you get canceled real quick. Hundred <laughs> percent. Some of the things like I'll just sit there and I'll be in my glove, I'll be talking to myself and I'm just looking straight through a kid. I'm like, yeah, that can't be on TV. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I guess last question, what do, what do we got VLO prediction for the rest of the year for you? The rest of the year for me? My goal, I mean, my goal by the time I play in the draft league this summer, I would like to be up to 95. That's, I think that's, I think it's attainable if I can create some of the get some of these other limiting factors worked out with pec mobility, scapular mobility, just kind of getting those under control. But overall, I think, I think attainable wise, I'd, I'd, my, I'd like to get back just to 90-92 again, just consistently start feeling that and then going from there. Yeah. So something I forgot to ask that I just thought about, I know you said you write your own programs. Is there anyone else that you go to for programs? Cause I know people have trouble like, kind of writing their own thing because they realize, like, I wrote this, I can cut corners here and there, but if someone else writes something for them or someone else programs them, it's like, hey, this guy took the time to do it. Like, I got to stick to it. Is there anyone that you go to or any, like, or is it just all you? So up until I'd say the last year or so, uh, I trained at Premier Pitching Performance in St. Louis, which great people. I love them. Uh, I still talk to those guys, uh, go in there a little bit. Uh, there's another place in St. Louis that I, uh, the, it's called Mach 1 Baseball, who I, it's out of where my travel program was. And the guy that runs that, like I'll, I'll get bits and pieces of people and like I'll reach out and I'll ask, hey, like what do you think about this? Or I'll write up my stuff and I'll be like, hey, you, you mind going over this? Or I'll text Ben Brewster with Tread and just kind of, getting like a funnel of thoughts and like sometimes like it's the frustrating thing where I'll write up, I'll like, I'll break down myself and turn it to like, okay, this is why I think I'm not throwing hard like A, B, C. And then I'll, I'll program my stuff and then I'll send it out and they're like, and I'll ask with no context, like, Hey, what do you think here? And then they'll write the same thing. And I'm like, okay, that's there it frustrates is. me here. <laughs> yeah. Now it's definitely good to have other people kind of confirm what you're thinking. So no, you're going on the right path. No, hundred percent. I, I think it, it it is challenging at times. Like, because obviously, like I I know like the, especially the way I'm moving now. I know I'm not moving as efficiently as I was a year and a half ago. And I can watch in my motion ca capture film. And I can look at that data, and I'm like, damn, I was moving really good then. And then I look at myself now. I'm like, okay, what what was I do? What was I able to do then that I'm not now? I'm just tweaking certain things to get there. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that's all I got. Um, if you want to plug anything, go ahead. Uh, yeah, you guys can uh, follow me on Twitter at the Ian McMahon. Uh, I also have a podcast as well called Bullpen Chatter. 
you can uh, check that out on Spotify, Apple Music, Google, uh, any of the major podcast platforms. You can find me there at Bullpen Chatter. Uh, the biggest way to find me is definitely on Twitter. Um, kind of on this kick where I'm obsessed with posting threads. I think I posted like four this week. <laughs> but definitely love that. Uh, if you had any questions uh, about anything I post in a thread, my DMs are open. Uh, if I don't follow you, I will see it in the DM request, and I will get back to you there as fast as I can. Awesome. Thanks for coming on, Ian. Um, that's all we got. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. Of course.